0: Welcome to episode 98 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for March 27, 2020, recording live from our studios in Spencerport, New York. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information System, Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions and BHG Funding. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website, This is Susan Cronkite, Chief Researcher of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Joining us from Studio One is John Gailey, recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. Joining us remotely from Rochester, New York, Jenna Alvarez, Senior Nurse Consultant with AHS, Alex Borneman, Director of Operations with AHS, and Judy D'Ambrosio. Director of Educational Services with AHS, and from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Lori Rodericks, Director of Clinical Services for AHS, from Atlanta, Georgia, Zach Kelleritis, Financial Consultant with AHS, from West Palm Beach, Florida, Ann Geyer, Chief Nursing Officer with SIS, and from Atlanta, Georgia, Mark Smith, CEO of Fundex Solutions Group. So happy Friday, everybody. I guess, I don't know if we can really say happy Friday, but it's Friday. It
1: is Friday. It is indeed. So I, I do want to introduce what we now refer to as the Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies Coronavirus crisis management team. So I I just decided to kind of brand it. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a. And and we have Ann here who uh, doesn't actually work for our company, but it seems like she does with all the time that she's spends. Feels like it, yeah. (laughs) But thank you, Ann, for joining us. And and our special guest, Mark, who's joining us from um, uh, Fundex Solutions Group. Given everything that's going on with our uh, financial situation, we thought it would be good to have somebody to talk about uh, uh, some of the options out there. You know, since the coronavirus began, ambatory Healthcare Strategies and the ASC podcast with John Gilley have really led the ambulatory surgery industry with regular updates, policies, forms, succinct advice, and regular live podcasts and interactive discussions. Uh, no other industry source has come close to our coverage. Uh, and as a family-run business, Ambitory Healthcare Strategies and ASC podcasts have always operated with the very simple philosophy, whatever it takes. Our staff is exhausted, our dogs feel neglected except for our new puppy, and, of course, the cats really don't care. Um, But please know that we are giving it all, and uh, we are looking forward to our Friday here. I do want to thank all of our clients for their patience and support during this stressful time and hope that those of of you that are not yet clients will see us as a valuable addition to to your team moving forward. Note that uh, we have our listenership has increased dramatically. We're actually averaging uh, uh, 280 per episode in our last in the last uh, uh, four days. We've had almost 400 downloads, which for a, a very uh, small industry like ours is actually pretty incredible. So again, thanks for your your support. As you're listening to today's uh, podcast, and there's two ways you can do that. Uh, you've already figured out at least one of them. I've obviously if you're listening to me, one is uh, through Podbean. Uh, it's an app that's available on your uh, iPhone or your Android device. If you are using the Podbean app, you can uh, type your uh, question into the chat. Uh, and we do see them here. We have a couple people monitoring that, and we'll we'll bring that question up right away. Um, if you're too shy, you can also email us at comments at and you can also be joining us by YouTube if you wanted to see the uh, wonderful uh, video feed of this, which has, uh, at present time, seven pictures of seven different people in seven different locations. Well, six different locations. And there's also a way to leave comments inside of uh, the uh, YouTube app. Uh, and if that doesn't work, and if you're one of our clients, you certainly have a contact number. Uh, don't call me or Sue, if you don't mind, but you can call any of the other um uh, people from uh, the company, and we'd be glad to at least write down your question and, and put it on. Uh, we we take questions throughout. We'll uh, try to fit it in at the appropriate time, um, and uh, uh, and that's it. So you know, for questions, we're really encouraging as many questions as possible. We do have quite a bit to talk about today, uh, since we haven't been on since Monday. Uh, as we were going live, we did get some clarification for Triple Eight C. So Sue, why don't you explain what uh, we just learned?
0: Okay, so we've been talking to our clients about. The um, submitting a Triple HC change notification form if they're closing, but we just re- received some new uh, clarification on that. <clears throat> and so I'll just quote from, from our email. For service scope changes, including temporary closures, suspension, and expansion of services directly associated with COVID 19, requirements for submission. Of the Triple HC change notification is waived until further notice. And then they suggest that um, for all facilities, if your primary contact changes during this time, email Triple HC at notify at triple H C dot org. Um, they just want to make sure that that they can reach you if there is any change to that. So that's. Um, one I, thing off I your will plate. point
1: out.
2: Sorry to interrupt. That's you. okay. Go ahead. I, I will point out they also did say, because there was some cute confusion if you listened in. Um, or if you, from our emails, I think, we talked about when we had been submitting them, people had been getting a response saying they wanted to be notified of any COVID-19 uh, confirmed cases. And they did clarify that um, in the uh, frequently asked questions um, that they sent us. The question was, how and when do we report COVID-19 cases to Triple HC? once a week, right before the survey, like what do you want us to do? And the answer was for organizations with a pending survey or within 14 days of a completed survey, um, they must notify Triple H-C of a suspected or confirmed uh, case as soon as possible by contacting Triple H-C and they uh, gave a number 847-853-7485. So it's for the safety of their surveyors that it looks like they're looking for that information. They don't want to know about every case you ever have. Just if you're expecting a survey, um, they want to keep their surveyors safe. Hmm, Makes
0: sense.
1: Thank you. Uh, Judy, do you want to talk about uh, uh, TJC and uh, HFAP? Uh, Um, Sure.
3: As far as change notifications, we have a few clients that, are are uh, accredited by people other than triple hc so uh not just me but i had help uh, we went we reached out to a joint commission that um, doesn't have a place within their system to put in a change notification but they want you to, to contact your primary account executive and they will guide you through the right way to get that done Um, And as far as HFAP, I haven't really heard how they're handling it or what they're doing, but I have somebody out there trying to figure it out for me, and as soon as I hear, I'll let people know.
1: Well,
3: I think we only have one client that deals with that.
1: Correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We're actually going to start with uh, what I think is very... um, Uh, important issue right now, and uh, that's why we put it first and and foremost uh, here. And uh, we asked Ann to be on today to kind of talk about uh, the mental health side of this, shall we say. You know, how are we taking care of ourselves during this? How are we taking care of our employees? So go for it, Ann.
4: Well, I think that I made several notes before we started. And as I mentioned last week, when I called I was really talking about what I do, but I've done a lot of thinking about it and I've added some things to it. The first thing that I recommend if you're feeling really, really stressed is exercise. And I have to tell you in our neighborhood, which we're not under lockdown right now in West Palm Beach, but I've never seen so many walkers, dog walkers, runners, exercisers, people that, and I've lived in this neighborhood for three and a half years and I'm always out walking, people I've never seen before. So, obviously, that you just need to get out and getting out, exercise. We're all going to be slimmer when this is over if we do that. Um, and there's different times of day, even if you're working from home and you're working remotely. Maybe you're a morning exerciser. You, maybe you're an after work exerciser. If you're working remotely and you exercise at noon, then you can work later in the evening because there's no time clock for you to punch in and eye out of. So, consider that. Now, my husband hates this. Next one. Tackle big, tiring projects. So I have a COVID-19 to-do list, okay? Of course you do. it's in my computer. I know, I know. He hates that. And it's in, for those of you that are laughing on the, that know me, you know I do have one. And I'm looking at it. And it's stuff like clean the closets, throw out all the old paperwork in my office, hang pictures in my office, um, clean out the refrigerator bins. I mean, the list is half a page long right now, tight, but it kind of keeps you on track. So, and it's stuff that you always said, I don't have time to do it, but if I'm ever at home, I need to do whatever. Yeah. So, start your list. Read a good book. All right? When I was in graduate school, I didn't get to read at all. And I kept thinking, okay, when I get out of graduate school and I graduate, I can't wait to read. Well, I felt like a deflated balloon when I got out of graduate school and all of a sudden I had time and I didn't have the initiative to read. Now's the time. And if anybody needs some good books to read, you can contact me. I'll send you some of the ones that I've been reading recently that I really do like. And and I'm serious about that. I also listen to audible books when I exercise so that I'm flying through books. I have a written book that I'm reading and then I have the audible books. Now, this next one may not be for everybody, but... Back in the 80s, I had a friend who hated to do the treadmill. He hated it. Now, we're both Catholic. So he said to me, you know what I do when I'm on the treadmill? I say the rosary. Well, in this day and age, and I've done that ever since, but in this day and age, if you're spiritual at all and you pray to whichever God you pray to, consider praying, start a dialogue. We need all the help we can get. We need that angel sitting on our shoulders, keeping up, uh, looking out for us. Okay, another one. Touch base with your old friends. I say this because I think, I don't know if I mentioned this when I spoke earlier this week. Two days ago, I called my priest friend in New York City, the epicenter of the virus, just to see how he was doing and how he was coping. And then I called another priest in Bureau Beach that I know. And he said, they're all driving each other crazy there. But every day I'm trying to call and talk to somebody that I haven't spoken with in a while. So that, just to touch base, I was just watching TV in the background and um, the speaker was saying that people need a connection. They need to feel that they have somebody to talk to. I'm an extrovert. I think the thing I'm missing more than anything is the connections, the real-life connections with people. So this morning... Before this call, we were talking about how to set up a Zoom account. Another friend of mine said to me that her daughter set up a Zoom account for the family. And every night, all of them get on Zoom and have a live video chat. They can see each other. The grandkids are on it. So consider that. The other thing is to keep up with a daily routine. We all need a reason to get up in the morning. If you don't have a reason to get up, Then you can just stay in bed. Then you can't get motivated. So what would that routine be? Well, my son has three little kids that are now at home, and he's working from home, and his wife's working from home. They set up a schedule from 8 to 3. That's the school day for the kids. They have a schedule of things that they have to get done before 3 o'clock, and that's what they do every day. I saw John Tesh on TV last night, and he was in a coat and tie. I don't know if any of you saw it. And he said, I'm actually in my basement, and I was in my gym clothes, But I made myself put on a coat and tie because it gave me a reason to, I knew it was going to be on TV for people to see what, that I was working. This is work. I'm not just doing this for fun. Um, Call a hotline if you need help. I know that this morning in Florida, they had a link to a hotline in the local area, (coughs) excuse me, that people could call. And it may not be, we're not talking about a suicide hotline. We're talking about, I'm feeling really closed in right now. I need to talk to somebody. There are people out there that don't have anybody to talk to. They don't have family. They don't have friends. Some of them may be your staff. And when they go to work every day, that's their social network. So what are they doing every day? Um, do something fun with your staff. On the days that you're open, maybe you're only open one day a week now. Well, that one day a week, you buy pizza. Next week, you get takeout Chinese. Now, John and Sue, you'll love this. Spend time with your pets. They will always love you, always, whether they're cats or dogs or iguanas. But they'll always, I don't know about the iguanas loving <laughs> you, but the dogs and and cats will. And if you don't have a pet, consider fostering a pet. Yeah. We had a big article in our paper this week that you can foster dogs from our local shelter, especially for older people. And it's just made a lot of difference in their lives. Um, I just think it's huge. Um, I think something else that just came up on our note page is religious services on Zoom. All of our religious services are canceled right now. But if you go on Zoom, you can get your local church service probably online. Now, that's not everything. But uh, John, you mentioned a happy hour.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, going back to the the uh, church service uh, for those of you don't know, I'm also a Presbyterian minister, and uh, we uh, we started about three weeks ago going uh, through Zoom uh, with the various services that we have, and what uh, what we did in uh, Western New York is we actually banded together. I think it's up to five churches now that are doing a, a Sunday service. Uh, well, we're actually recorded on Saturday and presented on Sunday. We're having some problems with the live feed. But it, uh, it, it's very, um, you know, you don't have to be religious, really, to, to appreciate the uh, um, you know this type of a spiritual connection. So uh, it's a good way to try to connect with other no,
4: people. No, I agree. I actually listened to Cardinal Dolan's Mass on Sunday from St. Patrick's because I happen to really like him. And I, he always has an upbeat attitude, and that's the Mass I chose to listen to. Um I just, I think there's a, I mean, this is a list of stuff that I recommend, and I would love to hear from the rest of you, what you think. Laurie, I think you were having something to add.
1: Before I said that, I did want to mention the uh, the happy hour though. Uh, one of our clients, oh, yeah, yeah, in uh, Watertown, I think it's Judy's client. Uh, um, um, they uh, they they today is their last day, right? Or was it their? I, I'm not quite sure when it was, but they decided to get together on Zoom and have a happy hour talk. Can you tell a little <laughs> bit about it, Judy? Um, I had done their
3: mandatory education, their annual education over Zoom. I mean none of them had used the platform before. So as each of them logged in, they were very surprised that they could all see each other. You know, and this was, one was holding up this kid and the <laughs> holding up the puppy and oh, look at my new bathroom and carried your laptop in there. Yeah. Um, and they all just loved the concept and says, well, you know we're not going to be together for a while, so why don't we on Fridays do this? And I taught the one girl how to do it. You know yeah. how to send it. She goes, then we can pour, pour ourselves a drink and sit in our own house and pretend that we're together. I mean, I think they're going to need that. When you mm-hmm. work every day with yeah. the same bunch of people all the time, and you become really emotionally connected, whether you want to believe it or not. As I look at all of your little faces, <laughs> you become really emotionally connected to those people. And, it, and if you're separated from them, it, it's a hardship. It's, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah.
1: Laurie, go ahead. It,
5: It's funny, uh, based on what Judy was talking about, I was um, texting back and forth with my sister. She's down in the epicenter in um, Manhattan with her family. And I said to her, hey, maybe we can FaceTime and have happy hour. So that's something that we're going to look into. And then, you know, then we can just sit and chat instead of just, you know, texting back and forth. Um, But uh, I have to say that um, I am a born again Weight Watcher. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> they have all of their meetings on uh, virtual meetings now. So, you know, to keep in touch with all of their members. Um, and I can't get over the number of people that have um, taken that up. And it's it's amazing. So there's a lot of things that you might do. I mean, even fitness clubs uh, such as Planet Fitness has a nightly, um, I don't know, thing on there on the on the web that you can join to exercise at home um, that's free I guess to its members um, I'm not sure if it's free to everybody but it's just you know think outside the box when yeah. it comes to socialization you know um, I think that will be helpful you know between family and friends and you know you know and then your activities that way you don't just stay in bed for six weeks that's right you know right
4: well, the thing is, if, if some of our staff live at home and they're alone, they don't have roommates, they don't have a spouse or significant other, mm-hmm. who are they talking to all day long? I mean, you can only talk to your pets so much without starting to feel like you're, you know, there's a second hand in, in your brain or something. But <laughs> um, no, I think I, anything that we can do, any suggestions, it'd be interesting to see, John, if if the people on this call could reply with what they're doing to get through it, because it may be something none of us geniuses have thought of.
0: Yeah, and my sister sent me a, a link from uh, Princeton where she works at. They they had gathered a, a whole bunch of um, resources from libraries to museums, and people can just go search for these things. And you know, a lot of people are doing art. Projects online and you know virtual tours. I mean, almost whatever your interest is, I think you can find something. Yeah, learn something new. No, you're right. As a
1: matter of fact, uh, as for those of you that don't know or haven't listened to our previous podcasts, uh, we do have a new puppy in the house, and uh, we are spending so much time with her that she is now trying to find places in the house to hide from us. so <laughs> come back. <laughs> like, and then well, i'm taking my
4: little i i take i walk in the during the day and then at night my little chihuahua was getting had lost her little waistline <laughs> and so we've been taking tinker along flagler drive if any of you know anything about west palm beach it's all along the water when the sun starts to set the one dog's too old so carl takes care of her and just holds her and does little stuff, and I walk tinker. Do you, she walks faster than I do. People comment that she's walking me, and we walk two miles. I've clocked out a two mile, you know, path. She loves it, so she'll slim down for sure.
1: Okay, well, I guess we better have to talk about the real stuff now. <laughs> um, so, ASCA, the ASC Association, did. Our, um, issue a report on surge capacity. Um, It's uh, released a proposed plan for amateur surgery centers to assist the local hospitals. And the proposed plan includes five options and the regulatory changes that would be necessary to allow those amateur surgery centers to help in this area. So very interestingly, nothing concrete, but something to keep an eye on. Uh, For a full list, uh, it will be available on our website. I believe we well, it'll be available on our website. So, just just an uh, FYI. Uh, Here's some of the ideas. Option one is ASCs can take outpatient surgical elective uh, urgent elective uh, procedures now, as we are best positioned to do this, and this is really the highest and best use of our our. our of our capacity because uh, that's certainly what we do every day. So you can take on urgent surgeries from the hospital at an ambulatory surgery center. Uh, you can take on emergency fracture surgeries, uh, for example, except for hip fractures. Option two is amateur surgery centers can r- transition f- to accommodate complex surgical cases. Uh, in other words, migrating overflow surgical case volume, uh, both inpatient and outpatient. Option three is ASCs can expand the services to meet the different needs you, uh, you have based upon the assets that you have in place across the country. So for example, uh, you can be a triage center, you can serve as an infusion center, which I think is a particularly good use of an uh, ASC. Uh, provide inpatient overnight beds, which we know we uh, we generally can't do. Uh, we can become a birthing suite, which uh, is not a high priority item, but it certainly would uh, not be a bad use of our centers. Or you can serve as an urgent care center for uh, non-COVID-19 uh, patients. The fourth option that uh, ask a uh, Um, suggested was ASCs can further expand their services to meet the community's needs. So, And once these are employed, it would be difficult to go back providing the services and options one through three. So in other words, once you do this, uh, you might be cutting out those previous things we discussed. And in this situation, you could be a COVID-19 testing and triage center, uh, or you could act as an ICU setting for the... of these patients. Again, it'd be difficult to go back because at this point you'd be taken, uh, directly taking care of COVID-19 patients. And the fifth option, and kind of the lowest priority, but certainly another option out there, is the facility and or the resources used. Uh, the, uh, not providing medical services within the facility, but th- become things such as a sleep center for a hospital, uh, call teams, or provide resources, staff, and equipment only. Uh, that's the, that's not the best use of our time, but at least you're using the center for something. Um, Let's uh, talk briefly, Jenna, about uh, the ASCA demographic form. So ASCA also proposed a demographic form that could go with uh, the letter. So remember uh, on Monday we suggested that you reach out, reach out to your hospital and that you uh, talk uh, I'm, uh, you discuss with them what you could do for the hospital. Uh, Jenna, go ahead.
2: So this form is a good thing to send along with your communication to the hospital or to your local emergency management um, office uh, through your local government. Um, And it has just basic demographics about where your facility is located, the number of staff you have available, the types of equipment you have available. um, You know, like if you have x-rays, machines or C-arms, crash carts. Uh, IV pumps, wheelchairs, etc. Also, the number of um, operating rooms, pre-op beds, PACU beds that you have, um, the availability of uh, decontamination or sterilization, and um, the medical gases you have available, and the PPE you have available.
1: Uh, and that uh, form is available on our website at ASCPodcast.com. I guess I didn't mention that before, but we try to mention it a couple of times here. There, are, there is a lot of information up at ASCPodcast.com, uh, and just follow the links on, on, that, um, uh, on that page. Uh, we're giving a lot of information out, um, and uh, a lot of forms, a lot of policies, a lot of things that could help you get through this crisis. We don't talk about them in every episode, obviously, and, and certainly going back and listening to previous episodes will help you to kind of uh, see what we've prepared for you and provided uh, to help you get through this crisis. So that's at ASCPodcast.com. We did reorganize the uh, setup on, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, to make it a little bit easier to use, you know, that as, as things go on, the, the way we had formatted it before, it became less relevant, so we uh, it is more um, uh, subject-oriented than it had been in the past. Judy, why don't you talk about uh, the ASC quality... Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we had a question. Um, uh, so- I, sorry, Judy. Uh, why don't you talk about ASC quality reporting uh, to okay. CMS?
3: Okay. Um, we got word earlier today, I think, that um, for those of you that, that are involved in the, the quality reporting part of this, that uh, the center's, well, CMS um, has decided that the ones that would be due in, in May, on May 15th of this year, covering last year, 2019, um, we're not gonna make, they're not gonna make those mandatory. I mean, if you choose to, you're welcome to, and, and that information will be made public. And there will be no payment penalties assessed if your ASC does not report. So just so you understand, CMS announced it's granting an exception for the reporting requirement. It um, has given some of the some of the reporting extensions, but the ones that we normally do, 9, 11, 13, um, there just is no reporting for this year. For those programs with data submissions deadlines in April and May of this upcoming April and May, um, they will be optional based on whether you decide you have the time, ability, staff uh, to do that. If you do that, they will still use that information to make public. Um, No data-reflecting services from January 1st, 2020 through June 30th, 2020 will be used in the calculations for Medicare quality reporting. So that's one last thing you need to worry about. Um, If anybody had even thought about that in the last three weeks, um, I know we hadn't thought about it until earlier this morning when we started to have this conversation.
1: Uh, Thank you, Judy. Uh, Laurie, uh, you listened to a uh, webinar yesterday from AORN uh, regarding some infection control issues, and uh, we tried in our morning update to to at least kind of give a brief overview of it, but but there was a lot of information. Can you kind of summarize it in less than uh, uh, five days of information?
5: (laughs) I was just frantically trying to type it up. Um, (laughs) All right. So I'll break it up into two, well, I can break it up to 12 categories, but let's just start with if you are currently performing procedures, um, the, some of the things that they recommended um, is that stat, well, the use of the N95 respirators, if you have them, they, um, they're recommended just to be used in the event of patients with known or suspected COVID-19 number one. Number two, they're also recommended if you're going to be doing any procedures that are, could, um, potentially, uh, cause, um, droplet or respiratory contamination, such as intubation, extubation. Um, if you are going to be performing any procedures on the, um, the, the, the nose, the mouth, uh, the lungs, the chest, you know, they talked about, um, um, any kind of scope procedures that might go into your thoracic cavity, which hopefully many of us are not even thinking about, but stuff like that. They also recommended that if you, you are probably um, minimize the number of rooms that you're using. So um, keep those rooms as your constant room. And if possible, remove as much equipment out of the room that would not be needed so that you're not having to constantly clean it and avoiding it getting contaminated with droplet, um, you know, spit, whatever. Um, the other thing is that if possible, if you could have a runner, um, available to assist the circulator so that he or she is not in and out of that room, um, constantly opening the door, causing that, um, you know, you, the air in that room, which is now open uh, uh, for contamination, uh, to try to contain it as much as you can. If you have the, um, uh, the luxury of having an ante room in your operating room, utilize that way to pass um, equipment in and out as opposed to the main corridor so that it's not open to um, everybody's uh, walkway if that makes sense the um the other thing they talked about is the very thorough thorough cleaning um you know before and after your cases um the other thing is that um, once the patients are intubated uh, they reminded people that that's a closed system so you don't have to worry that they um, are passing droplet or respiratory contamination that way because they should have the closed system based on the, um, on the machines and the ventilators. Um, they discourage the reuse of um, masks and uh, the PPE, but um, there are ways to um, try to prevent uh contamination, any time that your mask, whether it's an OR mask or a um, N95 mask becomes dirty with any kind of bio burden, it needs to be thrown away. Uh, They they were talking about um, the test, using UV lights to see if they could um, repurpose the mask that way. And the thing with the UV light is that it's not good. It's only good after the bio burden is removed well they haven't come up with a way to remove bio burden from the the masks the material that make up the masks so um just they're working on it but you know that's that hasn't that isn't out there yet um uh, the reminder about your high touch surfaces uh being extra diligent with those areas if you have um if you're going to close down or if you have closed down they uh A reminder that when you are going to reopen, do a terminal cleaning in all your operating rooms, then turn on your HVAC system if you had it off, and then clean again. Um, The other thing is a reminder that your HVAC system, you want to make sure that you're giving it time to get back up to the um, air exchanges, and they approximated 28 to 30 minutes of of that time so you know if some places that may have turned everything off just a you know that's just that fyi if you're going to change your filters you're going to turn off your hvac system more than likely so you're going to go through that process as well um what else um just uh do be diligent with wearing your ppe because that's the last uh, line of defense for you as the person wearing it um, if you do have masks that have the ear loops as opposed to the ties they're more recommended if if you're going to reuse masks because there's less chance of contamination because removing them with the ties uh, it might be easier to contaminate them if you are reusing your mask make sure you fold them so the outside is to the outside and not so that the Um, of the mask if possible hygiene hygiene constantly do that before or after you're putting on your definitely before and after you're uh, donning any of your um, PPE if you did go up and touch your face area or your mask you do want to make sure that you do PPE as well Um, uh, my big thing is remember your gloves are not The cure-all, you you know, once your glove is contaminated, it's contaminated. So if you're touching your face with a contaminated glove, it's just like touching your face with a contaminated hand. Um, So um, please be careful about that. Um, If you do decide that you want to do reuse or repurpose those masks, they um, said make sure you perform a risk assessment. Everybody loves risk assessments. Um, That will determine whether or not you're going to do that um they pretty much stated that reuse of ppe is when you're in a crisis situation and that's a a crazy word right now because we feel like we're in a crisis situation but their um their rationale crisis means you don't have any others to use
0: not that we're in a
5: crisis time
0: laurie i just have a question from donna she yeah. wanted to know: um, Wouldn't you need to keep your HVAC running if you close so the sterile supplies stay within the appropriate temperature and humidity range?
5: The answer to that is yes. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Thank you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as you know, and I know that what Big Father doesn't know doesn't necessarily get um, passed on. But theoretically, yes, um, as a center, you're supposed to. Uh, maintain those sterile products and supplies in the uh, correct environment. Um, And you can't say, but when it comes in the trucks, they're not, you can only control your own facility and your practices at your facility. So yeah, Don is correct with that. Um, The other thing is that... Make sure that you're, as we said before, using your EPA uh, registered disinfectant. Um, And if you're running out, you might want to reach out to your local health authorities or your area um, um, hospitals. There are some homemade ones, but they are more cleaning agents, not disinfecting agents that uh, are on the websites. You don't really have to worry about your, your equipment and as in your, um, instruments, because the processes that you have in place for the cleaning, disinfection and sterilization is, is fine for the COVID-19 at this point that they know of. Um, as long as you're doing your practices accordingly, you don't have to do anything special for that. Um, they did recommend that if you're taking specimens that you double bag them. Um, just to, you know, to be sure, um, let's see, there was a couple things that they recommended that I don't think are good ideas. they talked about putting plastic covers over your equipment in your room so that, you know, when the next case is you just take off your plastic cover. I don't think many of us have a a big enough plastic bags to put over our machines, but you know, it it does sound kind of nice. Um. Uh, if you do have patients that you you know or suspect and you're willing to do those procedures, they do recommend that those get done towards the end of the day. Um, And when you have the least amount of people uh, around so that you're uh, preventing
3: uh,
5: further contamination um, in multitudes. Uh, So that was one thing that they did speak about. Um,
0: Um, We have a comment from Katie. Just saying that the autoclaves should be cleaned and spore tested before opening.
5: Yes, ab- absolutely. Um, anytime you turn off equipment, especially of that nature, you'd have to, um, assume you're starting from, uh, that choice of words, ground zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you'd have to run whatever your um, MFIU says, if it's three loads and a spore or what, whatever um, your normal process would be. If uh, some places close down, turn their stuff off on a Friday and they come back on a Monday. But you'd have to verify that your equipment is uh, functioning properly properly. Um, so, yes, that's definitely it. And we're going to come up with a list for everybody for the, hey, yay, we're getting ready to reopen um, list of things to do. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a definite. Anytime your autoclave is uh, turned down, turned off, whatever, you need to do the retesting okay. um, and make sure that those are uh, meeting the guidelines.
0: Thank you. And Beth asked, um, double bag all specimens or just the COVID-19? Um
5: well most of the most of their discussion uh was more hospital based and they were talking about um if you had uh known or suspected covid-19 patients so you know it, that's that's uh, do I think you have to double bag your specimens no but if you think there's a, a risk that the person in in that operating room uh could be um uh, a potential exposure, then yeah, you know, it, it obviously it wouldn't hurt. I mean, there's some centers that are wearing the N95s. Um, and again, the N95s are recommended just for known or suspected. Um, so, you know, if, you know, it's half a pound in half a pound out, you know, it's, you, you know, where, where do you draw that line? If you, if you're getting to that level, why would you go down to this level for some of the things, some of the practices that you're performing? So, you know, it's it's again, do a risk assessment. Do a risk assessment based on what it is that you're doing, um, and what you think.
1: Do we have any other questions for Lori in this area? We've gotten quite a number, so okay. And again, you can ask questions anytime. We can certainly cut back to Lori at any time. Uh, we wanted to talk um, a little bit, uh, well, a lot today about uh, coronavirus, coronavirus uh, aid relief, and Economic uh, Security Act. That's the CARES Act that was just passed just before we went on the air, as well as some um, some opportunities in the SBA side. So I'm not sure who I'm going to, but I think I assume I'm going to start with Alex.
6: Sure, I can. I can lead us off here, and then I'll uh, put us over to Zach. But um, just want to say that the House of Representatives um, just passed the Cares Act um, this afternoon. So we just got word right before the podcast. Um, and in addition, we are we've been reviewing the actual law itself, and um, you know we're not we're not lawyers, so we want to put a disclaimer first, saying that you should treat our information as uh, anecdotal, um, not as fact or legal advice.
1: Are uh, you saying that you did not read all 900 pages like I asked you to?
6: Um, 880 to be exact, but <laughs> uh, no, no, we did not. But um, we found a few interesting items um, that we wanted to uh, touch base on. Um, Zach, if you'd like to start us off with uh, Title One.
7: Sure thing so uh in title one of the cares act that we went through this afternoon we found a item called paycheck protection program um during this so this is basically this This has to do a lot with the small business loans that are going to that are eligible for uh, small businesses to apply for so um let's see so eligible recipients um can apply for these loans um and let's see going through some of the text of the the law itself except otherwise provided at this paragraph the administrator may guarantee uh covered loans under some terms of the conditions so the administrator they're talking about the small business small business administration itself um let's see so during the act, This is Mark Schmidt
8: with, with Fundex. Uh, yeah. Maybe I could summarize a little bit here. Absolutely, please. The uh, Paycheck Protection Act, or PPP, the objective is to assist small businesses with payroll expenses, as you can tell from, from the uh, name of the act. It basically provides that the SBA will 100% guarantee loans to small businesses in the amount of uh, roughly two and a half times your payroll expenses, and that's an average over the last year, a lot of details in here. Uh, and after, at the end of the time frame, those loans will be forgiven. In other words, you take this loan out today or, or as soon as the bill uh, becomes active and uh, you use the money to pay payroll, that's the intent, if, if you have the same number of employees on the payroll at June 30th, the government will forgive that loan. In other words, they're going to pay eight weeks of salary for, your, for all of your employees. And that's basically all payroll expenses, salary, uh, vacations, health insurance, all the things that we associate with, with payroll expenses. I would also add that the, the bill had just passed. There's a lot of details to be worked out yet. Uh, The Treasury Department and the SBA still need to work out the application process. And uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin is on record of saying that by next Friday, there will be a process by which these loans can be applied for and funded the same day. Now, that means that the Treasury and SBA have a 24-7 job ahead of them to put the details together. But what's important to know now about these programs is that the law has passed. The money has been allocated. There is a, a presumption that virtually every small business in the country needs assistance. The objective is not just to We don't want people to go on unemployment, right? The objective is to keep them on the small business, the the, the restaurant, the HVAC company, on the payroll. And the incentive to do that is uh, that the government will forgive eight weeks' worth of those expenses. The details can, can be pretty complex, as you can imagine, with just about any government lending program. You know, there's a definition of small business. It for, in general, that means any business with less than 500 employees, and that's going to be 99 or so percent of the companies in the United States. It does include sole proprietors, it includes independent contractors, self-employed individuals, even nonprofits. So it's a very broad spectrum of eligible entities to get these uh, Paycheck Protection Program loans. Uh, they will be available probably within about a, a, a week or so. Uh, the SB still has to work out specific details on the application process. What I would suggest for most folks today is to think about the fact that uh, the application process is definitely going to require some documentation and information about what your, your payroll expenses have been over the last 12 months. So if you don't have that information handy, I would compile that information be ready to use that you ready to submit that with your application and also look into your options for SBA lenders because these loans will be made by the SBA lending community and that includes most banks in the country and it includes a handful of, of non-banks and Fundex Solutions Group is one of those non-banks. There are only 14 of those in the country. So uh, you need to, I would suggest you look into whether your bank offers these loans, look into other options such such as Fundex Solutions Group and be ready to apply when the details are worked out. I will add that they're they're very attractive, I think, to to the small business. They should be very effective in in, uh, carrying out the objective of the program. There's no collateral required. There are no personal guarantees required. Uh, Many of the other provisions that, apply to an SBA loan, which can be complex, will not apply here. And of course, it, they have to waive most of those requirements in order to make it a same-day application process.
1: And, and Mark, I think we also need to, uh, Very to, to remind everybody of the importance, and we've talked about this before, of maintaining and and keeping uh, meticulous records during this time of the, yeah. the expenses that you're incurring, uh, especially those that are above and beyond what you're normally incurring. Um, uh, and and what you've done in order to maintain the payroll during this period of time
8: that's, that's an excellent point uh, because especially the what you've done to maintain payroll what your employee numbers are because the government's going to look at the pay uh, the time frame between February of this year and June of this year and if you still have the same number of employees uh, you'll have eight weeks of, of uh, expenses forgiven but you have to be able to prove that you still got one. So that's a good point, John. Documentation is key, as it is with most every, most all government Everything, programs. Yeah.
1: Uh, who wants to speak next,
6: Zach? Do you want to start again with uh, Title Two, which is um, talking more about uh, tax uh, tax relief.
7: Sure thing. So, um, so based on what we found. Uh, there's another section in Title of two the, of the CARES Act called employee retention credit for employers subject to closure due to COVID-19. So it, it, the title seems to suggest um, if you had to close for any period of time, um, according to the text of the document, in the case of an eligible employer, there shall be allowed as a credit against applicable employment taxes for each calendar quarter in the amount equal to 50% of the qualified wages with respect to each employee of such employer for such calendar quarter Um, i don't quite speak legal ease but that seems to suggest um like like alex was mentioning um tax credits yeah tax implications um yeah and then going moving along um there's another uh, section called delay of payment of employer Payroll taxes. I believe um, I'm not. If, if I'm not mistaken, this this might be the section in that talks about um, taxes being delayed from the typical April deadline until July. Um, I know that was part of the proposed deal. I'm not sure if this is the exact portion where it was located, but um, I know that was that was a factor. Um, so, yeah, Alex, if you wanted to move on to Title
8: III. Uh, we talk it, about this, Mark, let's talk about just a couple sure. more SBA-related uh, SBA issues before we move on to non-financial uh, assistance section. The uh, SBA, uh, another very important provision here that affects SBA lending is that if, if any company has an existing SBA loan, 504 or 7A, the government is going to make six months' worth of payments starting today, now, once the law is active. So the government is stepping in and, and directly making payments on SBA loans for the next six months, including any new loan that's made the next six months. So that's very, for any of you that have an SBA loan or thinking about taking one out, that's a huge, uh, a huge incentive. Let me also mention that you've probably heard about the SBA Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. I'll just say that the disaster loan program is one that the SBA administers itself, okay? It, it, it's not a new program. It's out there for hurricanes and floods and other disasters, and uh, it's been activated also for every state in the country. You can go to disasterloan.sba.gov, and potentially apply for a loan there up to the uh, amount of your economic injury, up to $2 million, and and those can be up up to 30 years. Otherwise, I would just say we know for a fact that the government is still considering additional uh, legislation to make SBA loans even more attractive, including higher guarantee amounts, lower fees and interest rates. Uh, So the government is not done with economic assistance to the small business community this is a great start with the cares act but there's probably more coming so stay tuned
0: now we have a a question from uh, brian he said i believe there is a provision to bring back furloughed employees within a certain time and still be eligible for the loan forgiveness does anybody know the time frame for that if there is a time frame
1: so, I mean, what, what this gets down to, uh, Mark, and I know they're looking it up as we speak, is that uh, many yes. people have already made the decision to furlough because, of course, they had to. And uh, the question is that you yeah. know, have they hurt themselves as a result of of making that decision before the CARES Act was uh, was signed? And by the way, we should point out that it has if, been passed by Congress, but it still has to go to the president before it's actually enacted. I, and uh, we assume if there it's is a.
8: Yeah, I don't have it right in front of me, but there absolutely is a provision in there to address that issue. I think there's a certain number of days that if you bring your payroll back up to that level, in other words, they want you to bring them uh, back on the payroll
1: if you can. Right. Okay, so we will look that up, Brian, and we'll uh, we'll get back to you. I, I'm and the problem the reason we probably don't know is maybe that hasn't been found yet in the uh, in the actual legislation, but we'll keep looking for it, and I'll I'll get it. I'll get back to you on that.
0: Any. He just commented, it seems counterintuitive to bring them back too early and then only have eight weeks of loan forgiveness. So. Right. Uh, the website.
1: Are there any other questions? Uh, sorry.
0: The oh,
1: right. Somebody was asking the uh, website address. It is ASCPodcast.com, again, where a lot of this information is. Uh, we uh, I have not been able to post uh, this information uh, from the CARES Act. We'll try to get that up tonight. It might not go up tonight, though. We might have to wait until a little bit more information comes out, which I'm sure is going to happen over the next uh, probably 12 hours. So as soon as we get any summaries, and Mark, I might ask you to help out a little bit on this, too, with uh, some uh, summary information, if you wouldn't mind, that sure. we can post on the ASCPodcast.com website. Any other questions? This is uh, great. Any other uh, comments? Anything we are... Oh, I think we have another section, Title Three, right?
6: Yep. Yep. And this, uh, this section is a lot less um, having to do with small businesses and a lot more having to do with the healthcare system. Um, It, it really won't be too applicable for most ASCs. Um, However, it will be, it's, it's actually quite interesting for upcoming um, disasters that might happen down the road. Um, So for instance, uh, they've started to address um, supply shortages that we saw at the beginning of the disaster and come up with a plan um, for mitigating those in the future. Um, for example, um, manufacturers that begin having drug shortages, um, this is manufacturers of device medical devices that are deemed um, essential to the um, response of a disaster by the Health and Human Services Secretary, Um, they have six months prior to running out of their supply in order to uh, notify, they have to notify the Health and Human Services Secretary six months prior to running out, Um, or if that's not possible, as soon as possible. and then, in addition, they they are beginning to address um, a lot of concerns for gaps in policies um, for future infectious diseases and bioterrorism um, to increase the reporting and review requirements for manufacturers with drug shortages. So, for instance, that Health and Human Services um, and you know CMS falls under that as well. Um, have a shorter period of time in which to uh, respond to notifications of drug shortages or um, device shortages
1: mark we did have a question about the SBA website um, that you mentioned um, can you I'm,
0: just give that again if you if you have it have it otherwise we do we, we yeah. can put it up we will put a link on the...
1: yeah we'll definitely put some links up on right. the um, the but website. If, yeah. There is a link right now for the uh, SBA loan program, which I, actually I think that's probably what you're referring to, right? The disaster loan program, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that link I'm is up on...
8: I'm sitting here looking at the law with regard to Brian's question.
1: Uh, no, this was uh, another uh, listener oh. was asking what the uh, yeah. SBA website He's is. So, GG if you... Both. <laughs> yeah, if you go to the ASCPodcast.com website and follow the link for... Um, The uh, uh, the action plan. It is listed there under uh, financial options, or or I can't remember the subsection. But it's yeah, it's
8: disasterloan.sba.gov.
1: Thank you, thank
8: you. Disasterloan.sba.gov. And with regard to furloughed employees, if they were furloughed after February fifteenth or in the next 30 days, which is a- after the enactment of the Act, so it's between February 15th and basically the end of, of April, if they, they were furloughed during that period of time, they will not reduce the loan forgiveness if you have them back on the payroll by June 30th. So, yes, okay. you're talking okay. about that. You know, the incentive is not exactly 100%. Okay
1: any other comments about the SBA program any questions about the SBA program
6: okay then I'll I'll continue Um, I will will note sorry there is an angsty dog in the background that uh, might be making his voice heard
1: (laughs) and and just uh, FYI you might want to your uh, your connection to the studio here is a little unstable we're having a little bit of problems with. Maybe he bit through the cable.
6: OK. Yeah, yeah, he might. Have. <laughs> um, hopefully, this is a little bit better. Um, so one, the the next part of this title addresses access to health care for COVID-19 patients. Um, one interesting tidbit that I found in here is there is mention of an in vitro uh, diagnostic test. Um, I I haven't heard anything else in the news about this, but it seems that they're keeping their options open um, for how they're able to test patients in the future. Um, in addition, there is a requirement that each provider of a diagnostic test for COVID nineteen make pub- make public the cash price of such a test on their public internet website, um, and as well, a if the the price in regards to the cash price itself, um, there there's an opening for health plans to uh, negotiate the price. Um, but again, the the provider must list that um, price on the public web internet website. So for anybody looking to become a uh, testing site, that might be something that you run into down the line. Um, and the next part and subpart B, uh, support for healthcare providers, I found the number, um, the, the dollar amount basically that is being provided through this plan for all. Um, the, for detection of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, for the prevention diagnosis diagnosis, and treatment of COVID-19. And that's a fairly large number, uh, $1.3 trillion going towards that. So that is for the entire healthcare um, industry with regards to, again, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of COVID-19 and the detection of uh, um, SARS-CoV-2. in addition, um, there was mention of uh, improving the response uh, for the Commissioned Corps and Ready Reserve Corps, um, which is a piece of the of the Army um, currently that can respond in times of disaster um, and provide additional healthcare providers to regions that need them. Which um, actually, I discovered that they were they were initiated in January of this uh, this year for the disaster. I found that quite interesting. And in addition, within 180 days, um, there should be guidance from Health and Human Services regarding uh, sharing of the PHI for COVID nineteen patients. Um, So that'll be coming down the pike, which again, really not going to be related to um, surgery centers for the most part, but it is an interesting tidbit that I found in the law. Um, Anybody else have any questions? Are there any questions out there, John?
1: Uh, No questions at this point. Okay. Uh. So uh, we just got news, too, that uh, President Trump plans on signing the CARES Act in uh, uh, right now. It's, it's 4 o'clock, uh, So uh, followed by, of course, a press conference at 5 o'clock. So this is uh, very exciting. I'm sure over the weekend a lot more information is going to come out about this. We will, of course, parse through it and try to put as much uh, succinct information as we can uh, up on the <coughs> website. Just a note about our website. So if you go to ASCPodcast.com, you'll notice that the first three lines down, the first one is a link to the most recent uh, podcast. and uh, we, I usually am able to post a, a recording of this podcast eh, probably within five hours, probably should be up there by midnight or a little bit after that. And uh, so if you click on that link, you'll get the most recent podcast. You can listen to it on your computer. The second link down is a link into the daily updates that we send to our clients. So you can actually read uh, all of the uh, daily updates that we've been publishing since the beginning of our uh, crisis team actions here uh, right on the website. Uh, we, we treat you like our clients right now. So you get an idea of, uh, of what information we, uh, we send out. And then the third link down in big, bold letters, uh, is uh, what we refer to as our action plan and resources. And that that is a list of information that uh, we try to organize it in such a way that you can, uh, you can get to uh, the, the facts very quickly. Uh, and, again, just a, a wealth of information there. I, I was on Ask Connect uh, this morning, and uh, I just noticed that there's a lot of people asking questions that you know we answered weeks ago, I mean, a week ago. Uh, so uh, please pass that information on to... Um, uh, on to, uh, anybody that, uh, that might be interested in it. Sorry, we just got a text message in. Let's see if that's important. Um, is it a
6: Sure. I've got, I've got one more note from, Go uh, type three that I can add in while you guys are, um, uh, transitioning. So the last note that I found, that I found fascinating was, um, uh, uh, that a health, there is a provision for healthcare professionals, um, to waive liability under uh, federal or state law for um, certain certain types of harm that could come um, from volunteering uh, to help with COVID nineteen, um, if practicing within scope of practice, um, as again as a volunteer and in good faith, um, and then there's there's certain exceptions uh, such as you know ones that we would expect like. Uh, actual criminal liability and things
1: like that. Okay. uh, We're monitoring for any questions here. Uh, Please uh, send them through either on YouTube, through uh, comments at ASCPodcast.com or in the Podbean app. Uh, Of course, if you're live, if you're listening to this recorded, it's kind of too late. Uh, But I did want to finish up here uh, by talking a little bit about some of the exciting things that are coming down the pike. Mel, well, uh, so we're we're in the process of uh, of setting up some virtual conferences because we know it's going to be kind of hard to con- to actually attend real conferences for the rest of the year. We know those of us that have uh, certifications are going to need AEU's, IPCUs, uh, nursing credits, even physician credits. We're going to do what we can. We we are a registered AEU and IPCU. Um, uh, uh, vendor um, and our first conference is going to be an infection control coordinator virtual conference which uh Lori uh, Rodericks is going to be uh, heading up she's uh, she tells me that she's halfway through um the uh the material for that uh yeah <laughs> I, I just put your feet on lori um <laughs> and uh, i you know so i'm very excited about this we're uh, one of the things that lori and i talked about is we're going to try to make it as interesting as possible uh and uh, make it, you know, kind of feel like you're there with Lori in the room, which is kind of frightening, but um, as opposed <laughs> to a typical webinar. And uh, so we're going to try to figure out some unique ways of doing it. It will be hosted on our uh, Zoom feed. We've already set it up, but we just haven't pushed it out yet. So um, there are four sections to it. Lori, what are those four sections?
5: So uh, we'll start with the role of the infection preventionist. Um then we'll follow that with developing an effective um, infection control program. The, then the infection control risk assessment, we'll go over that. Um, and in there, we'll talk an awful lot about what's going on today. Um, and then we'll end with performing an infection investigation. Um, there, we have other thoughts for future ones, but please, you guys out there, let us know what it is that you wanna learn. Um, and then I'll pretend to make it up. But, uh, you know, it, it's we're here for you as well. Right. Um, so that, you know, it, it's, it's to help you. And, and again, if you're not an infection preventionist, or if you have a, if you guys in the audience right now are uh, leaders in your organization, but you have someone that you think would be a good candidate, this is an opportunity to have him or her participate, and then they can kind of get a good feel for what the expectations are or what the benefits are. And, you know, um, so it's not just for an infection preventionist. This is, this is for everybody to learn. And and it's uh, a good opportunity to, to pass on that um, information and have your staff hear it from others than you.
1: Right, and that's a very good point, too, in general, about, you know, we we love to hear your comments. We, uh, we do uh, uh, try to prepare our podcast based upon information that we provide from you. We've gotten some incredible f- uh, feedback because there's things that, obviously, we're not going to be able to... Uh, um, to uh, uh, to anticipate here, and, and our audience has been great about that. So this uh, event is live. It will be on Tuesday, April 7th, 2020, at 8 a.m. It is all day. God bless us. Uh, seven hours of listening to Lori talk. It's <laughs> Seven hours? <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I forget to tell you? Sleep. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, (laughs) it'll it'll be broken into hour and a half sessions. Um, It is a live event. It's limited to uh, the first 100 100 attendees. Uh, We will record it afterwards, and of course, that'll be available sometime uh, soon after that. Uh, Attendees will receive a certificate of completion. They will receive AEU and uh, uh, and or, uh, uh, I guess it's or, uh, IPCU credits, uh, you can use it to demon this is important you can use it to demonstrate training as an infection control coordinator for cms infection control purposes or accreditation purposes that's really our whole goal here is to make sure that you know we're we're, we're directly giving you those skills that you need in order to become yep at least in the beginning. Let's face it, you're going to have to do a lot more in order to continue in this role, but if it's new to you or if you want to prove that you're uh, keeping current, this is this is the type of conference to do that. It is free for, uh, for paid a- ambulatory Healthcare Strategies retainer clients. Again, I'll, let me say that again. It is free for paid ambulatory Healthcare Strategy retainer clients. It'll be $199.99 for non-clients. The normal price is $249.99, and it will be available as a recorded session after the live event. Uh, I'll be sending out requests uh, to our clients for people to sign up uh, once I figure out how to do that. Uh, and uh, we are in the process of requesting six hours of AEU and IPCU credit through the Board of Ambulatory Surgery Certification. So for more information, uh, feel free to email me at comments at eight. Uh, comments at ASCPodcast.com. And we do have other conferences planned. We're planning, uh, we're working on a a New York State uh, specific conference. We would love to do some other state conferences. I I know we've reached out to a couple more. Uh, And, of course, we're looking for a two-day virtual conference um, sometime in the next uh, month, month and a half. So uh, stay tuned for that. Does anybody have any questions?
5: There will be bathroom breaks. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, I, I did build that in already to the schedule. So. Oh, good to know. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't serve you food through the uh, the, the the webinar format, but uh, we we will. Uh... I,
5: I am keeping Dunkin' Donuts very healthy with my iced teas every day, so that's another way to keep your stress level down. Go visit your local Dunkin' Donuts.
1: <laughs> I'll probably bring uh, our, our Rosie, our, our little uh, uh, eight-week-old puppy, uh, uh, on the screen every once in a while during the the. Uh, uh, the webinar also Great. just to break up looking at Lori for seven hours
5: I'll even do my hair <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, uh, I, I I keep uh, doing this banter in order to see if we get any more questions I don't think we have and we're uh, people are dropping off so I'm assuming that it must be um, getting to the time for everybody to leave um, if there, are uh, hang on
3: It's just me. I got a New York State Attorney General warning I thought I'd share okay, about cool. if you're a healthcare provider, hospital, or other organization within the health supply chain, you may be more advanced phishing attempts. Um, that people are phishing you for information, scamming, basically, more email scams by people trying to tell you how you can help your friends and colleagues.
1: Uh, and, and thank
4: you SIS has sent out the same warning.
1: Yeah, thanks. We probably should address that uh, in a podcast next week. I I have reached out. uh, Nelson Gomes, a good friend of mine uh, from the IT uh, world, uh, hardware world, largely, and networking world, uh, works, of course, quite a bit with SIS. Um, He uh, has reached out to me. We just have not been able to connect, and I think it might be interesting to talk a little bit about some of the technological issues that are surrounding uh, this issue. I know, uh, of course... uh, uh, maybe I'll put you together, uh, and I'll put you together with Nelson, and we'll figure out some uh, technological things to talk about. But definitely, be very careful. There are uh, scams out there, and uh, be careful about what you click on. Be careful about uh, people trying to take an, uh, take advantage of the situation. So please be very diligent on this.
4: That's exactly right, I John. I posted a question about will credits be available AEU's, and I IC- see credits, if for the recorded session or just the live?
1: Oh, good question. Uh, thank you. And both, the uh, b- FYI, full disclosure here, both uh, um, Ann Geyer and I serve on the, um, the, the BASC Board, the Board of Ambulatory Surgery Certification, um, and uh, assuming that... Um, uh, Ann and I are able to uh, get the board to certify the uh, <laughs> the IPCU credits, which should not be a problem. They've certified everything we've done in the past. Uh, yes, it would be available both for the live and for the um, the recorded one. With the recorded one, I believe you're going to have to take a quick test. That's all in order to prove that you actually yes. went through
4: the material. Well, that makes sense, but that would be very useful for the attendees. Yeah,
1: no, definitely uh, going to do that, and and uh, we'll we'll have uh, we'll also have uh, just like you would if you were attending a real conference. You'll have uh, You'll get slides and you'll get uh, uh, a wealth of materials. We really we have a lot of uh, resources that uh, we provide to our clients anyway, um, and we would be glad to share some of those tools with you. The things that, that we've modified.
4: So the only day. thing we don't get, the only thing that we don't get is lunch,
1: snacks, That's correct, yeah, and no snacks. snacks and a coffee break. Uh, but we'll give you time to, to go come off prepared, and,
4: get
5: the <laughs> and everyone can wear their pajamas.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, we're not going to see you. <laughs>
4: Is it just me, but I've been thinking about food constantly <laughs> since this started. And, and see, what did I just ask? Is lunch going to be provided? I know I was tongue-in-cheek. But, oh, my gosh, I'll sit here and eat lunch, and within 30 minutes, I'm thinking, okay, what can I have now? That's the <sighs> only <order> nurse nursing you. <laughs> oh, I think you're right, Lori.
2: Yeah.
1: No. Thank you. Thank you all. Yeah, so definitely, uh, uh, you know, maybe what you should do is just, you know, prepare the food before the teleconference there with, uh, uh, so that you can feel like you're there. Um, Seeing no other questions. Any other comments? Seeing None. Well, that's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. Uh, Join us again. We'll probably have another live podcast on Monday. Uh, Consider becoming a patron by going to our website at ASCPodcast.com. Those patrons do help to pay the bills and keep the lights on in this wonderful studio we have here. And spread the word about our podcast with your friends and your colleagues, and please do us the favor of hitting that subscribe button so uh, you'll get uh, notice right away when we go live and, and any new episodes that are uh, published. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer is John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by my incredible team, Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Caloraitis, and, and Lori Rodericks, and with assistance by uh, Ann Geier and, and Mark uh, Mark, I forgot your last name. Schmidt. Thank you, Mark Schmidt. We'll get to know you a lot better over the time. Thanks Thank so you so much, Mark. Thank you. And thanks for your <laughs> no time problem. today. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah, the ASC podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast channels. <clears throat>
0: This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. We would like to thank our sponsors. Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information Systems, Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions, and BHG Funding. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at